Well, we were, <laughs> there it is. We're having a serious conversation about some deaconship and eldership in the church. So we got, it was important stuff. Thankfully, though, if it wasn't me, it was going to be Gary. Um, you think what you want. I don't, you think, I, that's all I'm saying. That's it. That's it. That's all I'm saying. You think what you want as far as that goes. Um, I started last service uh, with a rather, I don't know if it's a somber note, uh, but it was, a, it was an attempt at being direct and serious, and I, I think it's important. Don't put your hope in the wrong things, okay? Don't put your hope in the wrong things. There are things in life in which you can hope that are just plain old the wrong things or the wrong people. And when you do that, you actually set yourself up to begin to lose hope. The more you try to hope and hope and hope in the wrong things, the less and less hope you actually have. Don't hope in the wrong things. Sometimes it's things, sometimes it's, you know, events, sometimes it's people, sometimes all kinds of stuff. And many times they let us down and then we look at this description of hope in Scripture and we say, well, it must be broken or, you know, it must not be as powerful as I, as I thought it was or as powerful as they describe it in Scripture. No, it is. It works and it works well. Um, but don't put your hope in the wrong thing. From things I've heard, read in Scripture and from personal experience, don't put your hope in the wrong things. Don't put your hope in the things that are not guaranteed. I'll explain that here in just a little bit. A couple years ago, we did uh, a sermon series on different songs that we hear around Christmas time, and this is not that. Uh, we're not going to go into that again. However, there are some songs. Uh, that sort of stand the test of time and describing some of the wonder that we experience around Christmas time, ought to experience throughout our lives. One of these, you, well, you've heard these before, long lay the world in sin and error pining, pining for something, desiring something, wanting something, needing something. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until He appeared, that is Jesus, and the soul felt its worth. Soul felt its worth. That's purpose. That's value. That's mission. Jesus is on the scene. Suddenly I know that I've got incredible value. Suddenly I know that I am wanted, that I'm desired, that I'm loved, that my life has meaning. Jesus is on here. Jesus showed up. He explained who He is. And when I understand who Jesus is, then I begin to understand who I am. The soul felt its worth with Jesus. Not worthlessness but pricelessness, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Maybe you've heard this psalm before, O come, O come, Emmanuel, that's God with us, God standing here with us, Jesus, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom, buy back, ransom, captive Israel. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for the opportunity to truly understand and then to express the importance of hope in our lives. We thank you that it's a, it's, 
We thank you that it's a thing that you've given us, that it's a real thing. We ask, Father, that you help us to use it wisely, use it properly, uh, to use it every day. Help us to see, help us to know, to understand. Open our eyes and our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are still in Luke chapter 2, and that's a good place to be around Christmas time. You can turn to Luke chapter 2 if you want, but we're going to go through a number of verses. They will all be on your screen. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 last week, and this is just a quick recap, okay? Starting in verse 8, Luke chapter 2, there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Cliff just talked about that. Don't be afraid. That's what angels say very often. Don't be afraid. Be the opposite of afraid. That's what they want them to be. And instead of being filled with fear and being paralyzed and, and all this stuff, be the opposite of afraid. Don't be afraid because we bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, you take joy in that. And if you don't take joy in that, you need to do one thing very carefully. You need to examine your life. Because those who know and recognize and understand that they need something perfect to save something which is imperfect, they take great joy in the fact that Jesus showed up. That's what gives them this underlying gladness in life this joy in every and all situations. You see, we need to understand that Jesus has given us a gift of eternal life through forgiveness, through restoration. If we think it's a wage, it will never bring us joy. I've lived a good life and I earned it. It will never bring you joy. A wage is just something you get for trading your time. That's it. Anybody can have that. It's a gift. Given to you by the God of creation. Creating you by name. Imagine that. Creating you by name. Knowing that he wanted you and he made you. Boy, that's joy right there. That's a gift right there. If we examine ourselves, we can experience joy because of the fact this underlying gladness in all things. That Jesus created me, He wants me, and He has saved me. Uh, It's a gift. It's a gift. Again, last week we saw that joy, this real joy, comes from knowing that no matter what this world throws at you, you have victory through Jesus Christ. Once we realize our value, our purpose, our mission, the fact that we are loved, There ought to be a gladness that permeates our life. I'm not saying every moment is great. I'm not saying you got to walk around laughing like an idiot. But you must be. You can be. You ought to be glad in all things in life. Now express your sorrow. Express your grief. I mean, there's a whole book called Lamentations in Scripture. Lament. That's fine. But through it all, know that Jesus has given you victory. That you will live eternally if you have given your life to Jesus. You ought to be happy about that. Somebody's gonna, something's going to happen tomorrow with you, with me, with something. And it's not going to be perfect. And it ain't going to be great. And it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be, we had a little bit of inconvenience yesterday. Huh? Lost power. 
It's going to be inconvenient. But there's still joy in your life. Joy in your life. Good days, bad days, good seasons, bad seasons. Loved, loved or hated by people, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that heaven awaits those who have accepted the gift of Jesus. And by the way, only then will you fully know as you are fully known. Only then. See, that's what awaits those people who give their life to Jesus. Eternity with Christ. And only then are you going to fully know. Only then are you going to be fully known. 1 Corinthians 13, I love when Paul says, he says, look, right now we see a reflection. A reflect, your life, what you see, what you realize, as you look at yourself, as you look at reality, you see a reflection. You see the shadow, as it were. But pretty soon, says Paul, then we're going to see face to face. Now, he says, I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. I've told you this before. We've talked about this many times before. The fact of the matter is, you don't know yourself. You don't know yourself because you haven't met yourself yet. You, have, you got something to look forward to. You get to meet who you are, who you're meant to be, and who you're going to be. Right now, you're meeting the shadow, the reflection. Pretty soon, well, I don't know, hopefully not real soon. I don't know. I hope you don't pass away. I'm not saying that. You're going to see the real you. You're going to meet the real you. And you're going to know and understand things about Jesus Christ that you, you just dreamed of. As you, have, as you have this closeness and this understanding. You will know as you, you will fully know just as you are fully known. Perhaps joy eludes us now. Because we fixate on our accomplishments. You're fixating on a shadow. Or we fixate on our failures. Or comparing our shadow to other shadows. And if joy eludes you because of that, you still don't understand. You still don't get it. That's not where your joy comes from. Your joy comes from guaranteed victory in Jesus Christ. That's where your gladness ought to come from. Don't give up on joy. Before you've even begun life. Don't give up on joy before you've even begun life. You see, the beginning of life is on the horizon. Don't give up joy now. You're not even there yet. Don't give up joy before you've even begun life. We talked about it last week. Let perseverance finish its work. You know, we, 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 so again, we, we look at our lives. We say, well, look, it's, it's, it's bad, it's wrong, it's broken, it's ugly, it's not right, it's not what I thought it was going to be, it's not as beautiful, it's not this, it's not that. Let perseverance finish its work. There's people in this church who, who, who I don't know, they, they, they paint pictures or they, or they build houses. It's like going to a job site and seeing a house that's half built. And you, you talk to the superintendent and you say, well, that's ugly. That's ridiculous. That's, that's worthless. And he looks at you and laughs and he says, it's not done yet. It's not done yet. Actually, that's probably not what he's going to say. He's probably going to say, that's not done yet, you idiot. I mean, that's, yeah, that's probably what he's going to say. That's not done yet. We look at our lives as we're going through the building process, sanctification process, as we're going through the perseverance. And you've got to look at your life the same way. It's not done yet. 
Don't, don't give up on joy comparing your shadow to other shadows and all that nonsense. You're not built yet. That, that, that's, that's, that's joyful right there. I mean, that, there's, there's victory when we're going to see this beautiful, eternal house, right? Boy, it's almost like all this goes together. This beautiful house that's being built through Jesus Christ. That's joy. So don't give up on joy. Okay, that was last week. Now this week. Continuing on in our passage. <clears throat> Luke 2, 12 through 16. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. That'll be the Sunday immediately following Christmas. Verse 15, listen to this one. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. My question is, why? Why? You have no idea it's even there, man. Why? What causes the shepherds to go to Bethlehem? And I don't know how far it is, two miles, three miles, five miles. What causes, it's close, what causes the shepherds to go to Bethlehem? What causes them to take their herds and their flocks and get them all together and take the whole bunch of them into town? Because that's what they had to do, or they either had to go through a lot of work, or they had to take a great risk. They had to leave them on the hillside or in the fields and go by themselves. So one or the other, it was either a lot of work or it was a great risk to go and see. Why would they go? I got a question, but what in the world possesses the Magi to travel 900 miles following a star? A star. That's it. I mean, I'm not talking about hopping in a car, right? I'm not talking about taking an airplane. I'm talking about probably spending an entire year preparing your life and then constructing the grand caravan to move a thousand miles through countries following a star, shaking up your whole life. Would you have? What causes, the, what causes Anna to keep prophesying, Simeon to keep prophesying, waiting, wanting, hoping to see the face of the Christ? Sometimes we say, what are the odds that this thing is really going to happen? It's never happened before. Why would it happen now? That Jesus has saved me, though I've done nothing. I've just accepted this gift. Look, I've seen enough of life to know that you can't get something for nothing. Or maybe we say it's a long way off, or it's too hard, or it might not be what I expect, or I'll look silly, or no one will believe us, or I'll just be disappointed when I find out it isn't true. Why did they leave the fields and go to Bethlehem to see this thing? You know, some people say it's because the angels told them to. I think you need to reread that passage. The angels said no such thing. They didn't tell him to go. They gave him evidence. They gave him a message. But they didn't tell him to go. This was not done from the result of a command or obligation. This was not done because of fear. What causes someone to hear the words or see the evidence and respond? The answer is hope. Now we begin to see how powerful real hope actually is. Let me tell you what hope is not, Okay. We started this with joy. We, we determined what joy is not. This is what hope is not. 
Hope is not, church, and we've talked about this at length throughout the years, hope is not blind luck or a shot in the dark. That is not hope. Stop using hope like that. Because every time you use hope like that, you make yourself more and more hopeless. Hope is not a blind shot in the dark. We think hope is wishing for something that we may never get. That's what we think hope is. Hope's used that way. I've used hope that way. And it's incorrect. The target is out there somewhere in the dark. And what do we do? We show up and we shoot wildly. Maybe we're going to hit something we want. Maybe not. Bottom line is odds are against us. And that's what we relegate hope to. I'm reminded of that definition of hope. I'm reminded of Paul saying in 1 Corinthians, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. You know, I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. That's what that kind of hope is. Running aimlessly. Fighting the wind. No goal, no direction, no certainty, no hope. We say to ourselves sometimes, everything's falling apart. I see no possibility for victory. I don't stand a chance, yet I still have hope. No, you don't. No, you don't. If that's the way you see hope, you don't have hope. Nothing's left but hope. You don't even have that. All right? All you have is chance at that point. It just comes down to trying to exist and serving as a pawn as creation passes you by. That's what hopeless is. That's what hopeless is. A shot in the dark is no hope at all. So what is hope? By definition, used throughout Scripture in this very same way, what is hope? Hope is a confident expectation. A confident expectation. It's not a random shot in the dark. Put it this way. Hope has an object to it. It has an objective. It has a goal. What I, I like to think about it this way. Hope has a finality to it. Something you can measure and you can determine whether or not it is knowable. I, I've, I've, I've received Christmas cards, and I've received Christmas cards from a lot of people. And I appreciate it very much. All right? Don't look too far into this. It's just an example. But I've, I've received Christmas cards, you know, that'll say hope on the front of them, right? With a dove, whatever, Christmas tree. And that's it. It's a hope. You know, I want to I open it up and kind of flip. Hope in what? Hope in what? Hope on its own means nothing. It's a senseless word. It's a useless word. Hope on its own. It is always hope in something specific or hope in someone specific. And there is a confident expectation that that person is going to come through or that thing is going to happen or that thing is going to be experienced. It's not chances are it's not going to happen. Chances are it is going to happen. It's assurance of the things we have not yet fully experienced. You don't just expect it, you confidently expect it, which is pretty much the same thing. It's not just a good chance, it's certainty that I simply haven't really grasped with my own senses yet. Remember the words of the shepherds, by the way. 
They have not seen the manger. They have not seen the baby. They haven't seen the barn. They haven't seen Mary. They haven't seen any of this. What do they say to each other? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. That has happened. You see, the way we treat hope is, let's go and see this thing that might happen. Or there's a pretty good chance that it will happen. Or possibly may happen. That's not hope. Hope is, let's go see this thing that has happened. When Paul talks about us being justified and glorified, he talks about it in the past tense, not future tense. He refers to himself in the past tense, not future tense. This has already happened. I just haven't fully experienced it yet. That's what hope is. So you can imagine when we begin to misunderstand hope and treat it as a shot in the dark, every time we do that, We lose hope. In fact, we lose our trust or our faith even in the definition of hope. They didn't say might happen, probably will happen. It was this thing that has happened. Church, faith, love, and hope are inextricably linked. I like what the author of Hebrews says in the very first verse of chapter 11. By the way, read chapter 11. You want to talk about faith. You want to talk about trust. You want to talk about hope. Read chapter 11 of Hebrews. But in the very first verse, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. That's hope. I can't have hope if I don't have faith. If I don't have hope, if I'm walking around hopeless, if I don't know what the end is, I don't know where the end is, I don't know why the end is, and I'm confused, I'm scared, I'm filled with dread, I am hopeless instead of being, instead of being filled with hope. If I do not have hope, regardless of what my mouth has said, I must ask the question, do I even believe in Jesus? You cannot have hope if you don't believe in Jesus. Quit trying to pretend, all right? You can pretend, try to fool yourself all you want. But you cannot have hope if you don't believe in Christ. Because if you believe in Christ, it's assured, it's guaranteed. You just haven't experienced the whole thing yet. That's what hope is. And you better ask yourself that question because it's the most important question you could ever ask yourself. To continue in that verse from 1 Corinthians 13, For now we see only reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. And he continues in verse 13, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And of course, why is love the greatest? Because once our faith becomes, uh, or once our faith becomes sight, there is no longer need for hope, this confident expectation. But love for one another continues always. There's a time when hope's done, just so you're aware. There's a time when hope is done. There's a time you're going to be standing there facing Jesus, and you're going to look around and say, Jesus, you got any hope around here? He says, no, we're fresh out. We don't need it. We don't use it. You don't need confident expectation. You're living it right now. There's a time when hope is done. So use it in your life now. Confident expectation of what we will experience. So in what or in who can we have hope or should we have hope? Again, sometimes we think hope is powerless because we put it in the wrong things. We have to put it in the things that are lasting, guaranteed, promised, eternal. That's where hope is meant to reside in your life. 
So what do we have hope in? Number one, if we accept the invitation of Jesus Christ, if we accept who He is, what He is, if we give our lives to Jesus, we can have hope in this, that we are no longer God's enemies, we are His family. We're no longer His enemies, we're His family. Yes, we were His enemies at one point, that's what Paul tells us. We made ourselves His enemy, but we're no longer His enemies, we are His family. Now, this, happens to, this has to do with peace through Jesus Christ. And so, on this particular point, I don't want to go too in-depth or else I'll ruin the sermon that's coming up. And I know you guys don't want that. I certainly don't want to have to hear this stuff twice. So, let's look at the second thing. What's the second thing that we can have hope in? If we accept the gift of Jesus, if we accept the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life, we receive God the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is a real thing indwelling you, a real thing. Guiding, directing, convicting, changing how you even see reality. And if we have the Holy Spirit indwelling our lives, we are and will be renewed by the Spirit. (coughs) Renewed day by day and renewed after death. And I'll tell you, this has got to be just one of the greatest things to have hope in. We don't completely see the whole thing. We don't completely understand, completely embrace everything that's happening behind the scenes. Okay, so we haven't fully experienced it, but we have a confident expectation. We are guaranteed what it is. That's hope that we are renewed. See, this is the way we sometimes think of our lives, that we, we accept the truth of Jesus Christ, and, and we're baptized into the body, and we think to ourselves, I've got this, this beautiful blank canvas in my life, ready for wonderful things to go on there. Right? Bob Ross shows up. You got you, you, the whole thing. You're ready to go. I watch Bob Ross all the time, by the way. Always have. It's like the only thing on TV you can be guaranteed is like a pure good. You know, everything else you're unsure of. Bob Ross, it's painting pictures. I mean, you can't, you know, and he'll put you to sleep, right? I mean, if you really want, right? He'll, yeah, you, but you'll show up. He'll be glad you'll show, you'd show up, you know. And he'll run all the colors across the screen that you'll need to paint along with him that day. He'll have his standard old 14 by 24 inch pre-stretched canvas. Right? I know. With liquid clear, a thin coat of liquid clear on the whole thing. See, that's what we think we have, a thin coat of liquid clear on the whole thing. We've accepted Jesus, is ready to go. But then we think the next day we've messed it up. We've muddied it up. We've made a mistake. And of course, we know. If we've ever watched Bob Ross, there's no mistakes, right? There's happy little accidents. But we think we've made a mistake, and we think we've tarnished it, and we think we've hurt it, and we think we've, we're, we're getting behind, we think we've ruined it. And then it happens again, the same thing the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And I'm telling you, church, this can be debilitating to some people. They think they're too far gone now. That they've made too many mistakes and Jesus has given up on. Yes, I believed in Jesus at one point. I still believe in Jesus now. But if you look at my life, I've made mistake after mistake after mistake. I need to re-up on this. Or I need to re-accept Jesus. Or if I don't do that, I'm really unsure of what's going to happen. Stop all that. We have hope. That is confident expectation That through the Holy Spirit, listen closely now, we are renewed day by day. Do you understand what an incredible promise that is? Every day you wake up, and I don't really know if it has to do with going to sleep or not, but every day you wake up, 
You are renewed. Well, you still got to deal with some of the stuff that happened yesterday, right? We live in a fallen world. We got to slog through that. And there's consequences that we have to pay. I get that. But we are renewed day by day. Well, that doesn't bring joy. If that doesn't give you a cause for celebration, I don't know what does. You woke up today and you were brand new. Some of you have screwed up between now and then, but hey, we'll talk about that tomorrow, right? You woke up today, you were brand new. It is a promise given by God. And those are the things you have hope in. I have confident expectation that this morning or tomorrow morning, or whenever, I am renewed by the Holy Spirit daily, all the time. Not only am I renewed by the Holy Spirit daily, I am renewed eternally. I don't know about you, but this old body's falling apart, and you've probably got bodies on your own that's falling apart here and there, you know? Trust me, from where I stand... You got a few as well, right? No. We have a body that's falling apart. We, we even got a, our eternal house, or this, this temporary house that's just kind of falling apart. We get renewed eternally. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This is what you have hope in, church. Meanwhile, we groan. Longing to be clothed instead with a heavenly dwelling. That's what we're doing right now, which is why we need hope. We groan. Because when we are clothed, we won't be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we don't wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Why? Because that's what we were built for. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Listen to this. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, what? Guaranteeing what is to come. You better have hope in this. You better have a confident expectation that you live in a brand new house. Whatever that house looks like, I don't know, but it's not this tent, this fallen tent right here. What it feels like, how you experience it, there's a brand new house for you. That's confident expectation. That's hope. You probably ail, in all seriousness, you probably, you probably get sick, you get hurt, you ail, you age. That's not forever. It's not forever. Confident expectation. Number three, what we have hope in. I love this one. We know in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about this. He talks about a lot of things in Romans chapter 8. Read Romans chapter 8 if you haven't. But we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. You can have hope in that. Confident expectation. Confident expectation, hope in that. We're not along with that until it actually happens. And then we think, boy, God hates me. What is going on today? A couple of things we need to remember. God works for the good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. You need to make sure you have a correct definition of good. We set the bar really, 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 really low for good, okay? God doesn't do that. You got to have the correct definition of good. We can go into that later. Number two, remember, it's called according to His purposes, not your own. His purposes, not your own. But we know that if we love Jesus, we give our lives over to His purposes, 
This is a confident expectation that God works for the good of those. Not just for the good, but for the good of the person who loves Jesus and has given their lives over for His purposes. You ought to think about that on the bad days. You ought to think about that kind of stuff on the hard days. Even though sometimes hard to see. Why would it be hard to see? Because we're looking at the shadow right now, aren't we? We're not looking at the real thing. The shadow of things. Sometimes it's hard to see. But we can trust that God is working for the good of those who love Him and be called according to His purpose, even when it's hard for us to see. You've done this before. You've done this to your own kids. Your kids want to do something, they want to try something, they want to say something, they want to go someplace, they want to do this or that. And you say to them, no, it's not good for you. And you also know that if you tried to explain this, their head would explode. They're, just, they're not old enough to grasp it, okay? Let me walk you through the process here, son. He, he's, I'm going to get three words out of my mouth. He's going to give up. We want God to explain it to us, and God says, you're not there yet. I can't explain this to you. But what does God say? The same thing we say to our kids. Look, you're just going to have to trust me on this one, right? That's what he says. God works for the good for those who love him and be called according to his purpose. And most of the time, he tells you and me, hey, look, you're going to have to trust me on this one. Why don't you explain it to me? Because your head would explode. You're just going to have to trust me. You're not there yet. You can't comprehend this yet. You can't understand it yet. Same thing you tell your kids. And by the way, when you tell your kids, trust me on this, you expect them to trust you because you're a good parent-ish, right? You try your best. We do. But you expect them to trust you. Trust me on this. I want what's good for you. I want what's right for you. I want what's best for you. And your father says the same thing. Trust me on this. Have hope. Confident expectation that all things work for the good of those who love Jesus and are called according to His purpose. That's a great promise. On the darkest days, that ought to give you hope. Even if you don't understand. Even if you can't see through the storm. God says, just trust me. Would you just trust me? Let perseverance finish its work. Finally, we have eternal life. We can have hope and eternal life. And of course, you've heard the verse, right? The verse of Scripture. That's what people call it. The verse of Scripture. It's true. It's the whole point. God loved the world. That He sent His one and only Son, whosoever should believe in Him, but not will not perish, but have eternal life. That's you. That's me. I love what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 8. He says this, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. That's the family of God. The redemption of our bodies being renewed. Listen to this, verse 24, for in this hope we are saved. How powerful is hope? In this hope we are saved. This is faith. This is trust. Hope is a result of faith, trust in Jesus Christ. In our hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. What hopes, who hopes for those, who hopes for what they've already seen? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know, once again, that in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. Notice Paul now talking in past tense about the glorification of those who believe in Jesus. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. There we go, another family uh, reference. And those he predestined, that's past tense. He also called, that's past tense. Those he called, he also justified, that's past tense. It's already happened. Those he justified, he already glorified, it's already happened. The shepherd said, let's go and see this thing that has already happened. Your glorification, your forgiveness, your justification. It's done, church. It's guaranteed. Have hope in that. Wake up tomorrow knowing Yes, I got to deal with yesterday because we live in a fallen world. But forget about that for a second. I'm a new creation. I've already been justified. I've already been glorified. I haven't fully experienced it yet. That's hope. I don't know if I'd put all that on the card. Would you send the hope card? But put some of it on there. That's hope. How do I know for sure that I have hope? At least what's the best indicator? Verse 16 of Luke chapter 2, way back at the beginning. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So they hurried off. They could sit there and talk about it all day long. But what did they do? They acted upon their hope. They acted upon their hope. There was fruit that was born out. You can talk about hope all day long, church. But until that begins to change your life, your mind, until you begin to trust, until that expression is shown not only in your life but towards the lives of others by loving and caring for them, expressing that same hope, it's all so many words. They had hope and they acted upon it. The same thing you do. It's about obedience to Jesus Christ. We serve a God who wants us to have hope. We serve a God who has given us the right to have hope. He wants us also to be joy-filled. But just like joy, sometimes we have to wade through the struggle and not give up. This is allowing perseverance to finish its work. Again, it wasn't the easiest thing for the shepherds to do, to go and see the baby. But they went anyway because they had hope. At the very end of Romans, near the end of Romans, Paul closes probably this, this, this most famous of letters, this opus, if you will, with this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank You for hope, real hope. We thank You, Father, that we are made new today. And that we are made new tomorrow. We are made new time after time, moment after moment. Father, help us to respond to that hope. Help us to respond to that hope. That we may live such lives. That we, that we share that hope with people around us. Whether they listen or not. That we share that hope with people around us. That we will experience and know what real hope is and from that experience joy itself we thank you so much father for the peace that you give us in jesus name amen please stand and sing
I just, whoever it is, I thank you. I really do. I really hope this doesn't say hope. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I, I thank you for the love that this church has for each other, for you. I thank you, Father, that this church is, is in the pursuit of hope and joy. And I ask, Father, that particularly particularly now because we're talking about it, but, but, but this week, this season, today, we will understand and be thinking about what real hope is and where it comes from. When days are really, really hard, when, when we go through the struggle, we're slogging through the workout, allowing perseverance to finish, that we will keep our eye on the prize, guaranteeing what is to come. We thank you for that hope. We thank you, Father, for that gift. In Jesus' name.